Well, we usually have on Wednesday nights, as you know, a, a prayer minute, a challenge, a short challenge from Scripture, uh, and uh, we have a special speaker tonight. So I just wanted to just touch on a verse here. If you've got your Bibles, Acts chapter 9 and uh, verse 27, uh, I wanted to, or 26 and 27. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a preview of Sunday night sermon, just a preview. Uh, so I'm not, not uh, wanting to go into everything we're talking about then as we're going through the book of Acts because I thought this would just be an appropriate encouragement to you tonight. Acts chapter 9, verse 26, you know where we're at. Saul has gotten saved. Uh, he has spent now his three years in Arabia. He's coming to Jerusalem. The Bible says in verse 26, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Understandable, but sad. And then in verse 27, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and how he had spoken to him and how he had boldly preached, or preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Barnabas son of consolation, the encourager. And we've talked about Barnabas before, but what a tremendous, he's one of my favorite New Testament characters because that's one of the things I desire to be as an encourager to people. Barnabas was constantly lifting people up and encouraging others. Now, again, I'm not going to go into all this, although I'm eager to, but you've got to come back Sunday night, uh, all the, the, the wonderful impact Barnabas had on Saul in the beginning. I mean, can you imagine? Here's Saul going to be the Apostle Paul they didn't want to have anything to do with him. And, but Barnabas put his arm around him and was an encouragement to him. Uh, we have with us tonight Norman Stevens. And uh, when, when he called me a couple of weeks ago, I immediately thought about an incident that happened in college. And I'm sure you've probably forgotten all about this, but I'm going to tell you about it tonight. Uh, when we were in college, we were, we were uh, both in college at the same time. And I'll clear up your confusion since he's obviously way older than I am. Uh, he, was, he was one of those married students in school, and uh, you know I was 18 years old, knew everything uh, that I needed to know, and was really wise and smart in my own mind. And, and uh, Brother Norm was in his, he was really old for college, really old. He was in his 30s. I mean, can you imagine the decrepancy? And uh, that's how kids think. But uh, I worked nights, and then I would go to school during the day and uh, sleep if I could in the afternoon, as much as you can sleep in a boy's dorm. And uh, I remember one day we were in Dr. Child's class, and uh, I was particularly fatigued, as I, <laughs> I was always tired, but that day I was a little discouraged, tired. And Dr. Child, I don't even remember if this was a normal thing for him, but he asked if anybody had any blessings. Anybody any blessings to share before we go into the class? And uh, a couple of guys said something or other, I don't remember, but Brother Norm Stevens says, out of the blue, he said, I'm thankful for Ivan Yoder. He's always in class. He's always here. Whenever I'm coming to class, I can depend he's going to be there. Pretty thankful for his faithfulness. I had no idea where that came from, but I can't tell you what it meant to a kid, you know, to hear that. And uh, just that little boost that sometimes we need. And uh, like I said, probably you've forgotten it, but I didn't forget it. That stayed with me. And every time I've thought of you or heard of you, I've thought about that moment. And I'm simply saying that because you don't know what your encouragement will do for another child of God. You just don't. And here Barnabas did something pretty big, but it doesn't have to be big. It can just be that word of encouragement, that 
arm around the shoulder, that lifting somebody up, that if you see somebody that's down. And uh, that, made, that made a difference in my life. And it wasn't much, seemingly, but boy, it sure meant a lot to me. And what doesn't mean much to you, and you spend that little encouragement, we, we're, we're, we're constantly looking to spend the $100 bill. We want to do big things. What we don't understand is that God often splits that $100 bill into quarters. And we got all these little quarters to give out. They're not much, just a little here, a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there. And, uh, it doesn't, and by the time it's all over, we might think we haven't really accomplished much of anything, but you don't know what the receiver of that quarter got. That meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to me at that time, and uh, so I'm grateful for that. And I just want to encourage you tonight to be an encourager. Uh, Barnabas was, and we can all do that. You might not be able to do much, but you can encourage somebody. And so I'll leave you with that little challenge tonight. Norman Stevens, appreciate his faithfulness, been preaching faithfully ever since uh, the 90s, early 90s, and, uh, and uh, praise the Lord for that. And so you come up and just be a blessing to us at this time, if you would. Pastor, it's a joy to be here with uh, your pastor. Like I say, it's been many years since we've done that, but um, uh, it's amazing. Uh, I've always uh, noticed his faithfulness, and, and that means a lot to me. And so I'm thankful he's here. It doesn't surprise me that he would be here uh, doing something for God. Well, I was born physically in the city of Belfont, Kentucky. Uh, that makes me a hillbilly. Uh, I was, uh, grew up in a home not centered upon God nor his word. Uh, I lived my life not seeking God. There was no desire to walk, talk, or fellowship with him. Uh, well, we were all that way. <laughs> Romans 3.10, there's uh, uh, none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after God, no, not one. We, we kind of, I am so thankful that uh, God saw fit to, to seek me out because I had no desire to know him. He sought me out. And that was, uh, so growing up in home, I had no uh, choice, I had no um, uh, I had choice in the family which I was born. My mother was a drunkard. Uh, my daddy left when I was 12. I was on the streets at 14. The state came to take us in out of the, out of the home, uh, ungodly home, uh, a home that uh, certainly did not fear God and, had, and, and wasn't doing good for the kids, so the state took us out. Well, I didn't, I didn't go with the state. Uh, I went and got me a job. I, uh, I had never learned to read. I couldn't even pronounce the word there for at age 30. Uh, and so I could wash buses, so I washed buses. I got a job at City Transit Bus Company, washed their buses when they'd come in off the street at night. And after I did that, uh, then I got to fuel the buses up, you know. And I was, you know, a 14-year-old boy is excited to get money and a job. And next thing I know, I'm checking the oil. And next thing I know, you're down there. And if you show me something, I got it. That's, I didn't, uh, that's something, um, an ability God gave me. I don't know why, other than the fact that if you show me, uh, you take me someplace, I can take you back. I, it's just natural. It just, it's no, no problem at all. And so I, would, I hadn't learned to read yet, but I sat there and I'd watch how to do the brakes, and I said, I can do that. And so I was doing the brakes. Then next thing you know, I was their chief mechanic, <laughs> going diesel and gasoline. I was only 16 years old, <laughs> but I was on them big buses, you know. What's the big deal? <laughs> and so uh, uh, then I met my wife. We got married. We got married at 16. I waited two years. Okay, I waited two years. We met at 14, got married at 16. She's the only girl I've ever known. And she's the most precious. Uh, besides Christ, Christ is preeminent. <laughs> she comes in second. <laughs> uh, I love that. But anyway, she's not here today. Uh, she's, um, 
she has, it's, it's good that we've been afflicted. It's good. I, I thank God. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I'll maintain my own ways before him. Um, you're going to have to be tried, tested, and proven. And uh, so her one surgery, they went for her gold, uh, gallstone, take out her gallbladder, and they cut the aorta, her main artery, off the back side of her heart. She bled out. They had four minutes to save her life. They looked, it looked like instead of a half-inch incision, went to an 18 and a half, like a chainsaw. Because of that, Oliver, you usually don't work on the heart through the belly. Well, anyway, you can imagine he only had four minutes to save her life. Well, then, it's been, it's been, um, only if, if they tried to do something now, they will only make it worse. How would you like to live like that? <laughs> uh, well, and everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. All things work together for good to them that love God. So, so those things, see, they, they, the joy, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is thy strength. So what are you going to do? You've got to face it and the reality of it. And uh, she's on loan to me anyway. God can take her home at any time, and that's his decision. But anyway, she's here in the land of the living. I says, let me come home. Let me come home. Let me come home. She says, is that with me or heaven? I said, either way's a win. <laughs> either win-win. <laughs> Uh, she says, no, you can't come home. I said, why not? She says, you like a carrot. I said, I'm like a carrot. What do you mean by a carrot? She says, God's got you dangling out there. She says, as long as you dangling out there doing something for God, I have a hope. Uh, I, I believe God's going to raise me up. He's going to fix me up so that I can magnify the Lord with you. And he said, if you come home, she said, I would have given up. And I'm not going to do that to her. And so, you know, it's hard on both of us, but Philippians 4.13. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me, <laughs> except on Friday. No, I didn't say that. On Friday, too. He's there for you on Friday, too, if you let him be. So, you know, pray for Debbie. You see, the doctor says the only thing we can do is make it worse. And so, God, so now, who gets all the credit? Hey, God will get all the glory and all the credit. Wouldn't that be good? I'm telling you, she'll have something to say to the lady. What it is to be, to fight depression and anxiety and, and, and death and suicide. Hey, she done been through all that. Yeah, and so, but she's still hoping to. But anyway, so I got, uh, I grew up in a home in, in Florida. I moved to Florida at the age of 10. Grew up in a home not centered upon God. You got some of the background. And then uh, my dad came into my life at 28. Uh, by then, I was pretty well set. Already had my business, Brisson Company. I can, anything I see, I can reproduce. I can see it and I can reproduce it. And so I have the ability to draw anything I look at. Some people can't even draw a straight line. But uh, I don't know why he did that, but it's, it, it was an ability he gave me, uh, even as an unsaved man. And so I use that ability. Though I can't read, I did signs, all kinds of signs, uh, neon signs, plastic signs. Uh, uh, handwriting. I do handwriting. It was all freehand. It's not this plastic stuff and all this kind of stuff. It was all done by freehand. And uh, so uh, went to the military, got out of the military. Uh, that was good discipline. I like that. <laughs> I didn't know you could stay up all night. <laughs> you know, it's not like kids today. <laughs> you know, they stay up all night. Only, but I, I learned that you could stay up 24 hours. You know, the closer you got into combat, you just you didn't get no sleep. <laughs> That's the way it was. But anyway, got through that, and uh, I got in my business. And age 30, I was, I was going to retire. I was already in real estate. I had everything I needed. I didn't need God. 
People knock on my door. You want to know God? I'm not interested in God. I'll call. Leave me alone. And finally, they got my wife and daughter. You want you, you interest what we're teaching your daughter? No, I don't care. <laughs> well, they took her to church. Like you, I'm sure you get some kids on the bus ministry. They just don't care. It's a bus. Take my daughter. You see, I didn't know. <laughs> you should know better. I, I didn't know. I, I knew it didn't come from no monkey. See, I, I didn't get much of an education. I knew it didn't come from no monkey, and I didn't come from a big bang. <laughs> Has anybody ever seen what a firecracker is? Just holding your hand. It's nothing good of a bang of any sort. And so I'm just simply saying, even as dumb as I am, I, didn't, I knew that. But I didn't know. I, just, I saw Moses one time on TV, and he was talking to the burning bush. And I'm just thinking, well, this must be good. There must be a God out there somewhere, so, you know, whatever. And so, you know, you have my daughter and take her to church. God is good. I didn't know anything about denominations, this, that, and the other. I just know they're going to talk about God. And so anyway, are you, then they come back, hey, are you interested in what we're teaching her? No, it's God. It's got to be good. God is good. <laughs> Un people think like that. And so um, then they got my wife. Mm, boy, I, I didn't see that one coming. Do you want, then I says, Maybe your wife wants to know. I said, well, go ask. That was a dumb thing on my part. I knew, I knew better now. I went and asked my wife, are you interested? Oh, yeah. Next thing I know, they got her going to church. Next thing I know, Wally Beebe, a man, man, Wally Beebe, the bus minister guy, he led her to Christ. I mean, oh. It was in, he, he, he sent a bus 50 miles. 50 miles. Y'all sent a bus 50 miles? They sent a bus 50 miles to pick up my daughter and take her to church. And my wife, I'm thinking, Something wrong with churches like that, you know. <laughs> What's wrong with you? But anyway, they got that thing out. I'm just thinking, oh, crazy. So anyway, they took her to church. She got saved. And now everything changes. Oh, man, I just about had enough. <laughs> I mean, when the war broke, I mean, no more halter tops, no more this, no more that. Not, you got to go to the coast. You can't go to the beach. You gotta, can't go to the bar. You, you know, salad bar. It's got to, I mean, it's just not, stop it. I'm <laughs> in. I was the man in the house. I said, that's as far as you guys go. You ain't going to church no more. <laughs> I stopped it just like that. <laughs> you did? Yeah. That's crazy. So anyway, they spent eight and a half years with me. <laughs> and eight and a half years later, anyway, at age 28, my daddy came back in my, in my home, in my life. Well, I had no choice in the family which I was born. God handpicked my parents, right? God handpicked my parents. He said, you can't blame. It wasn't Adam's fault you complained this morning. It wasn't Adam's fault. You know, it's not your wife's fault. It's your fault. You know, we kind of shift the blame. You know how that is. But anyway, I had no choice in the family which I was born. And so I just loved my daddy for two years. <laughs> I loved on daddy. <laughs> I had him for two years. And then he died at 72 with cancer. I'm grieved. Isn't it amazing? Isn't God's good? He often uses a tragedy. You know, we just don't listen. He often has to send like, Jonah, didn't he send a, a great tragedy, a great fish to get his attention? Hey, go to Nineveh. I'll think, no, I'm not doing that. And then finally he sent a great fish to, to break his rebellion. You know, you know, but I'm not a child of God yet. <laughs> and so anyway, he used the death of my daddy. My daddy's in hell today. He never came to know Christ as a personal savior. Before he went in cardiac arrest, he wanted to know if, he said, I don't want to die and go to heaven. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to die and go to hell. He didn't want he didn't want to go to hell. Can you imagine that? 72 years old, on the bed. I don't want to die and go to hell. I said, well, hadn't you been a good man? <laughs> I mean, surely you helped somebody across the street. <laughs> I mean, uh, you're good, good, good. Haven't you done enough goods? Day? I mean, God is a loving God. You'll stand before him one day. He goes, oh, you're in there. You'd be okay. <laughs> you didn't say, yeah, that's all I knew. Well, folks, I didn't know anything, and I didn't know any better. 
I didn't know any different. I just thought, hey, if you're good enough, God's got a scale. See, I believe the devil's lie. He has a scale, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. I didn't know about that. And so I wasn't able to tell him about Jesus and his, uh, how he died in a place of, uh, uh, you know, he became our substitute and died in a place, took upon himself our sins, died. I, who knows that stuff? I mean, I ain't saved yet, and I'm just saying. So uh, he died, and I was grieved. And a, couple, a month later, that was like uh, uh, October 22nd, 87. And then a month later, November 22nd, 87, I was not happy to be around. <laughs> and my wife and daughter invited me to church. You know that church you won't let us go to? I said, I know that church. Well, you know, they're having a meeting over there. And you know our daughter, she needs to be in Christian school. You know that school you got over there? You, you know that school you should be going to next year? And I said, yeah, I know that school. Well, I don't want to go to that school. Well, why don't you go to this, uh, you know, Christian school? And oh, they got me hooked, you know. And, that's, and then, you know... I got in the revival meeting, and uh, I sat on the second pew. It was more settled over. It was a huge auditorium, it seated 800 people. Man in the pulpit got up and he said, uh, "There's somebody looking for a friend tonight. You've lost your dad, and you're grieved." And I'm, I'm thinking, "Whoa, this is." I looked at my wife. I said, "You've been talking to the preacher?" You know they did. She said, "No." See, my wife has nothing to gain by lying to me. It's good to have a girl like that, isn't it? I love it. And she's, she, I have, my wife has nothing to gain by lying to me. And she said, I didn't, I didn't say anything. Well, he said, there's somebody out there looking for a friend tonight. You've lost your dad, and you're grieving. He said, would you let me take this book? I'll take this book and show you a friend in this book. He will never leave you. Oh. Now, as, I was only in church twice, first time at 15. He preached on long hair and bell-bottom jeans, okay? <laughs> the second time, the man preached the gospel. <laughs> and that's what I needed. He, first time, I was a rebellious teenager. Well, my wife, my mom cut my hair and she made, made my pants. So I didn't relate to the, the hippie generation or the, the, those kind of, so it didn't make any sense. But when he said, you've lost your daddy and you're grieving, now that, that got touched my heart and, uh, I, and I went forward that night. November 22nd, 87, the age of 30, I saw myself a sinner. Now, John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them give ye power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Believing on Christ, the one who bore my sin, died in a place, buried whom God resurrected the dead. <laughs> and I lost two-thirds of my vocabulary that night. <laughs> Here we go. Just like that. You said, I didn't get that. Okay, that's all right. He has the right to do with whoever he pleases, whenever he chooses. I mean, maybe he didn't get the same thing. I'm just simply saying I lost two-thirds of my vocabulary that day. <laughs> People call me on the phone, Norman, is that you? Yes, yeah, Norman. Don't sound like Norman. I know I was in church last night. I lost my vocabulary. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Man, I could smack my thumb and say, praise the Lord. You know, it wasn't a curse word anymore. <laughs> no, it's the truth. It's the truth. He did so much more that day. See, he gave me a 180 that day. Oh, see, being in the Navy, <laughs> 360 is kind of like this here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They won't put you steering the ship if you don't get it. You know, on a 180 like this here. You know, so you're going off. So he gave me a 180 that day. And I've never taken my eyes off the Lord. Uh, he's, uh, he's the most precious person in all the world to me. Uh, my main goal in life, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. That's, that should be the goal. That should be the main goal of every Christian. Uh, but maybe you did not know that. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all the glory of God. So that ought to be 
your main goal in life as you live down here uh, for every Christian. But maybe you did not know that. I didn't know you're supposed to think and read it at the same time either. <laughs> Folks, I never read a book before or after until after I got saved. I told him I went I went forward and the preacher said, Why don't you come forward, Brother Stevens? I said, God doesn't call me to preach. My wife says, you can't read. I says, I don't know anything about no reading. God didn't say anything about reading. He just said, I want you to preach. And I could tell people what God did for me. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Power of God and salvation to everyone believe it. I mean, the gospel works. I mean, my God is something different. I got something brand new. I didn't even know about the divine nature. I didn't know the Holy Spirit of God living in me. I mean... I didn't, I didn't know it was an, it's not an it, it's a person, a person living in me, you know, a new nature, you know. Well, anyway, it was, it was radical. <laughs> and anyway, so shortly after I got converted, uh, I did get baptized February 1488. What took you so long? I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know you were supposed to be baptized. He says, well, son, that's the first step of obedience. I says, is it, is it in this book? He says, let me tell you, Matthew 20, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake, saying, all power is going to be in. Be there for I said, well, let's do it. <laughs> Folks, it don't take a decade to get to, are you fully persuaded that's what you're supposed to do? You know, it's amazing if you do what you're supposed to do, because you're supposed to do it. And so I said, okay, let's get baptized. I don't, I never had, it takes a long time to get, to be obedient. You know, I never got that. It was just kind of like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> Does anybody relate to that at all? No. You know, most people are hard, stubborn, or whatever. But anyway, I, ne I never got that, okay? It was just like, if it's in the book, I'll do it. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Got it. Go ye in all the world, preach the gospel, Mark 16, 15. Got it. You know, I just thought, I, I, folks, that's, I thought that's what those Christians do. You see, I just got saved. I didn't know you don't have to live for Christ. You can do what you want to and think about him on Sunday and Wednesday, time to time, divide the life of buffet Christianity. I, I didn't get that. I'm just simply saying, my life changed. 180. My wife said, I wanted you saved, but not that saved. <laughs> you got to be careful what you pray for, girls. <laughs> I tell you what, ain't never, I ain't quit. I haven't quit. I want to be perfect. Paul wanted to be perfect. Philippians chapter 3, as many as be perfect. You know what? I want to be a mature Christian. I want to stand before him one day. I want all that he's going to do. I want as much as he's going to do and keep on doing it. And, you know? And so that was 33 years ago. If you don't take me like a nine-year-old kid, you'll write me off. You'll write me off like a bad TV program. My own main goal in life is to glorify God in all that I do. Uh, yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Yield your mouth to God or yield it to gossip. That's a decision. Maybe you haven't decided which one you're going to do yet. Well, I already made a decision decades ago. <laughs> uh, you know, so you've got to come where I'm coming from. <laughs> Well, I went off to, they wouldn't accept me in Bible college. Brother Comfort said, I won't set you. You got to get your house in order and get your GED. <laughs> Took me five years to get that GED. So the next five years, I went back to night school. They felt sorry for me. I failed that thing three times. <laughs> you know, it's the multiple choice. Just fill in the blanks. You know, you just kind of just fill in anything you want. You know, you just go through it, don't you? I figured I'm bound to get something. That's how I got my driver's license. <laughs> That's how I did. Really? Well, folks, I hadn't learned to comprehend anything yet. Hadn't learned to read yet. But God called me to preach. And so, 
Um, so it took me five years to get my GED, failed it three times. Finally, I think after uh, they felt, I, I didn't know Jude 22 was in the book, and if some have compassion making a difference, I think the unsaved folks had compassion on me and passed me like they did in the, uh, through the first through eighth grade. They just pass you, get you out and get, get maybe somebody else's headache. But I don't know what, but anyway, I was grateful. I got my GED, now I can go off to Bible college. <laughs> I got my house in order. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You don't wake up one morning and find out you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's a decision. <laughs> yeah, yes, I know you girls trying to hope the guys figure that out. It's a decision. You don't wake up one morning and find out you love your wife. <laughs> but anyway, so I get that in order. I get the ambassador, and next thing they say, uh, you got to take an entrance exam. I said, Brother Comfort, you didn't say nothing about no entrance exam. You said GED house in order. Norman, get in there and take the test. I thought, oh, no. Psalm 50, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble. <laughs> I'll deliver thee. I said, I'm trust, and that I might glorify you. You said, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I'll glorify you. So I'm, I said, this is a good place to use Psalm 50, verse 15, right? Well, that's what he said. I didn't say it. He said it. So I called upon him. I said, I'm in the trouble. And uh, I said, ma'am, uh, what, what are you looking here? What are you, what is it, what are you looking here? It isn't a sentence, but I had no clue. You see, I hadn't learned to comprehend yet. You see, I'm up to 138 words a minute, and then they gave me, that was a little later, but anyway, so she said, uh, what word is that? And I said, A-N-D, and. She says, what part of speech is it? I said, I didn't know parts have speeches, speeches have parts. And never died during no sentence before. He said, no one can be that dumb. Looking at him, I had no clue. I said, ma'am, noun, adjective, adverb, I have no clue. But I got my GED. I got my essay. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, she wasn't impressed. She stuck me in eighth grade English. And then... Mrs. Betty Bond wasn't impressed. She said, Norm. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you're not ready for eighth grade English. I said, oh, ma'am, you telling me? <laughs> we have to go through this? Norman, if you'll let me, I'll put you in third grade English. Third grade English at 35. I wish you took me to preschool. I really do. Preschool, wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it have been good? Three, four hours a day, three, four days a week trying to learn the English language. Used to could. I used to say used to could. I think that's good. Y'all like used to could? Used to could? No, not never? Man, I had it now, buddy. I thought I'm going to get this one right. Ain't nobody can be that dumb, anyway. Used to could? And, I, and it was one of the choices. And I said, I got this one right. She marked it wrong. I went to her and I said, man, you marked that wrong. She said, Norman, used to could. It's used to be able to. I said, what? Used to could a lot easier than you used to be able to. Yeah, I mean, you got to build it. And she said, Norman, let me, let me explain something to you. She said, every time you say used to could, there's somebody out there. She says, do you, you know what a chalkboard is, don't you? And I said, well, yeah. She said, you ever had anybody take their fingers and scratch their fingers down on a chalkboard and it kind of goes, I said, yeah, I don't like it. She said, every time you say used to could, there's somebody out there going, I don't like it. I said, really? I did not know. She said, now, if you say used to be able to, everybody going to love you. I said, glory. <laughs> okay, what I'm saying is, it didn't take me a decade to get what she was trying to teach me, right? Folks, some of you, you don't got a decade to what, you need to get in the book and find out what you ought to be doing. You don't got a decade to get it. 
I tell folks, look in the mirror. Have you looked in the mirror lately? <laughs> you don't got a decade to get it. Christ could come today. Huh? You see? She don't got a decade either. Christ could come today. But see, we think, oh, well, it takes a long, 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 long. Can you imagine? What if I didn't obey? She told me truth. And then I get into speed reading, 138 words a minute. I know we have a choice. I could still say used to could. But you know what? There's people that don't like that. I don't get to speak to everybody today, whether it be the, the president's bodyguard, governor. I got to preach to a governor. And this thing. I can preach to all kinds of people, just long. Can't damn this down no dumber. <laughs> I don't say that no more. <laughs> That'll get you in trouble. <laughs> can't dumb this down no dumber. But anyway, I say can't make it no plainer. <laughs> I learned that one too. Okay, I see it didn't get to the first time. It, I had to make a mistake and then I learned. <laughs> Some things you don't say. But did, can anybody relate to me at all? Kind of like thing? I know you I'll, I'll get to preaching here in a minute. Okay, and so then I next thing uh I get into speed reading, I'm up to 138 words a minute from zero. And then she gave me a, a comprehension test. And I said, that's not fair. I said, you should tell somebody. She won't, well, brother, see, we won't think of anything going in. What's going in? But what's, what, what do you comprehend? I says, I don't know. It's all I can do to read. <laughs> comprehension rate was less than 35%. It wasn't even measurable. I didn't even know that. And she says, uh, I says, well, how are you supposed to comprehend? She said, just like that. I said, like, like what? She said, you're catching on. She says, Norman, as you read, you ask who, what, when, where, why. And at the same time you're reading, I ain't never done that before. She says, why don't you try? <laughs> Man, I'm reading 500 words a minute in one semester comprehending over 85%, I'm thinking, wow, this is good. I ain't never done that before. <laughs> Ace McGreek, what I'm going to share with you is what God did for me. And what God has done for me, he can do for you. How do you know that? What did he say in Romans chapter 2, verse 11? You see, I don't know. I'd find out. He says, I'm not a respectable person. What I've done for my son Norm, I'll do for you. Romans 8.14 says what? I don't know. I'd find out. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I am His Son. <laughs> and if it's His will, I can have everything I ask for. In Matthew 7.7, 7, asking it should be given you, seeking yourself, and knocking it should be opened unto you. So a lot of things will not be given that you need. He wants to give you. won't come because you did not. Yes, God says, hey, y'all are smart too. But anyway, I caught it just like that. <laughs> I got it just like that. I didn't have to hear it twice. And I thought, wow, if God would give me everything I asked for, I'd really stop the act of asking. So I asked him to get rid of my forgetter. Oh, man, you got to be careful what you ask for. You know what I'm saying? What if you never forgot a spiritual truth? What if you, Paul said, continue in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing that thou hast learned them, right? But what if you never forgot a spiritual truth? It's not of ignorance, it's just outright rebellion and disobedience. So you've got to be careful what you pray for. But if it's His will, you can have everything that you ask for. Big or little, it makes no difference. It's easy for Him. So I ask people, you get, have you asked Him to get rid of your doubter? You say, I never thought about that before. Hey, <laughs> I did, I'd ask Him, you know. What? What you afraid of? 
But anyway, that's another whole thing. Don't get to heaven and look at all the things God wanted to do, desired to do, would have done, did not do because you did not. Let me hear. Let me hear if you're learning anything. You did not ask. See, I asked him for everything. I ask and ask and ask until he gives me what I asked for or until he changes my heart. How about a photographic memory? Have you ever done that before? Oh, you one of them name it and claim it. I'm just simply saying if it's his will. Is there anything too hard for him? How do you know that? I'm not interested in your opinion. Tell me what he said. Are you fully persuaded that he meant what he said? Jeremiah 32, verse 27. What did he say? Behold, I'm Jehovah. He said, I put my personal reputation on the line. Behold, I'm Jehovah, the God of all flesh. Anything too hard for me? Why then don't we live like it? Why don't we live like it? Yeah, the blank check. But why should he give it to you? James 4, 2 says, my children have not because they don't even ask. James 4, 3 says they don't receive it because they ask amiss. They may consume it up on their lust. He says, I'm not going to give them a photographic memory if they're going to use it for their own self-centered, selfish desires. It's not going to happen. What's the motive behind the asking? Yeah, see, now we're learning to think like the Almighty. Oh, that's so good. We're changed that way, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2. What did he say? Paul said, I beseech you, therefore... Us, brethren, by the mercy of the God that you present your body as a living sacrifice, have you done that? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service. Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by what? This book, <laughs> by the renewing of your mind. This is the record of God's thoughts. If you want to think like the Almighty, get rid of the daily bread and get in this book. If you want to think like God, think as God thinks. John chapter 5, verse 39, what did Jesus say? He says, search this book, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. The Bible's not a book about Israel, David, Moses, or the history of Israel. <laughs> Genesis, he's the creator and seed of the woman. Exodus, the Lamb of God for sinners slain. Leviticus, he's our perfect high priest. Numbers, he's the star out of Jacob. Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like unto Moses. Joshua, oh, he's the captain of the Lord's host. Judges, the messenger of Jehovah. The book is about Christ. How much time do you spend in this book? Not about the book. How much time do you spend in this book with the Holy Spirit of God feeding the new nature that you have? Hey, you got the same time I have. How much time you spend in this book to how much time you spend with God? How many, have you ever prepared how much time you spend watching TV to how much time you spend with God in this book? I'm just saying. I'm not the bad guy. <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> I don't know. I just know things change. My world turned upside down. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if a man be in Christ, he got saved, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Oh, man, things begin to change. I'm just simply saying there's all sorts of hope for the future. It's very interesting birth. So, went off to Bible college. Did you graduate? May 3rd, 96, with a Bachelor of Biblical Studies degree. I majored in the Bible and in evangelism, minored, minored in pastoral theology and missions, lacking two classes, having three majors in four years with a 4.0. Taking 18 and a half credit hours with piano my senior year. Wow! Well, why'd you say that? Hey, does he have all there is of you? 
We have anything too hard for God. That's, that's where you got to decide. Is, does he have all there is of you? Uh, I don't know times you're on an out, but can't illustrate this any simpler. This is about as simple as I can get it. See, I, I got a simpler. I don't dumb it down no more. <laughs> Smile like this here. Okay. Five-year-old girl, eight-year-old girl, jumping up and down on her bed. Use your sanctified imagination, okay? You see him jumping up and down on her bed? Doing something not to be doing, right? <laughs> don't be jumping up and down the bed. You get hurt, right? That's what mom and dad say. Well, anyway, they're not listening. They're playing. They're Christians, having a good time. They're waiting for the garage door to open. They know when the garage door opens, Dad will be in the front door. So they're jumping up and down, having a good time. All of a sudden, they hear the garage door open. <laughs> you know what that eight-year-old girl did to her five-year-old sister? Shoved her off the far side of the bed. Isn't that how girls do? <laughs> Isn't that how siblings do? You just kind of, poof. She hits the floor. The other one jumps off the bed, opens the bedroom door, runs down the stairs. Dad walks in the front door. She slides across the hardwood floor and caught hold of Daddy's leg and sat down on his foot. You know, that's the nursery. I call it the nursery. God's people love the nursery. Comfortable in the nursery. Toys in the nursery. You've been in there 35 years. It's time to get out of the nursery. Go like this here. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, you can stay down there if you want to, but that's where most of God's, children, God's people, it, it's comfortable. You, you see what I'm saying? And so, five-year-old girl picks herself up on the bedroom floor. She makes her way out the bedroom door, makes her way down the stairs, and she begins to make, make her way to Daddy. Okay? And uh, the eight-year-old girl on the foot looks at her sister and says very brashly, See, I have all there is of Daddy. What she's saying is, I'm saved too. I'm going to heaven too. Okay, you may be going to heaven. Maybe going to heaven too. Okay, that's fine. So she comes over and daddy bends over and picks up his daughter and now they embrace each other. Daddy embraces his five-year-old. And now she's going to respond to her sister down there who said, see, I have all there is of daddy. She says, yes, you might have all there is of daddy, but look up here. <laughs> and daddy has all there is of me. Now, you're somewhere between there and here. I've not arrived. I'm nowhere close to all to be. Uh, like Paul, I am what I am by the grace of God. I give God all the credit. But you're somewhere between the nursery and all he has all there is of you. You want to grow to spiritual maturity? You want to be what God wants to be? You want to stand, stand before him and bow the knee one day with a praise in mind? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's not going to happen by accident. You don't wake up one morning and find out that you're well-pleasing to the Lord. So what happened? I got saved. God called me to preach. I got, I got, and then I went on to ambassador, spent five, uh, well, five years learning to be a Christian, and then the next four years in Bible college, graduated, and then I've been on the road ever since. A warning sinners to flee from the wrath to come. Uh, you know, sharing the gospel, and then, and then uh, today I try to encourage God's people to get out of the nursery. <laughs> Let's live for God. Let's do something for God. He's done so much for us. Right? He took upon Himself our sins. He died in His place just out of gratitude. First John five three. What did He say? I don't know. I find out. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. He says it's not unreasonable. My my commandments are not, uh, it's not unreasonable for you to study to show yourself approved of God. It's not unreasonable for you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a command. Many of God's people are, 
timid and scared, you know, go day after day and do another thing. But I walk with God. And I beg to differ with you. I don't know who God you're walking with, but it's not the, not the God of the Bible. Yeah. He said, oh, I walk with You know what John said? If we say we're in fellowship and do not the truth, we lie, right? You all remember talking something like that? Truth is the word of God. You don't do what the Bible says, so you're not in fellowship. So it's not, it's not complicated. We've complicated this thing. <laughs> so he says, you got, I got just a few minutes. Now, you, know, you know why people are frustrated? That's the whole message. You know why people are frustrated? God's people are frustrated. You ever figured it out? God's people are frustrated. Victory short-lived, Christian life going nowhere, and the joy of the Lord eludes them. <laughs> I think, why would you want to live like that? We ought to be the happiest people on the planet. <laughs> Man, we ought to turn the world upside down. <laughs> right? Josh 1, 9, be strong and good courage. Don't be afraid, neither be thou. This made I'm with thee, for this wherever thou goest. Oh, you in Walmart too. Isn't it great? I love it when he shows up in Walmart. Don't you love it when he shows up in Walmart? I mean to tell you. You ain't figured that out yet, huh? He's in Walmart too. <laughs> Christ liveth in you, right? Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. No less I live, yet not I. Christ liveth in me. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like Tigger, don't I? <laughs> yeah, woo <laughs> Was that religious talk, or did Paul literally mean Christ liveth in you? Christ liveth in you? He can be real to you. He can be real to you. Man, he won't even let me get by with a dirty flaw. Matthew, uh, Matthew 5.28, what does he say? What did Jesus say? You fully persuaded he actually meant that? Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery with her. Our fellowship is broken. Your walk with me is fragile. It needs to be tended to, taken care of. We're like, well, I can live any way I want to. Well, who, whose method are you following? Well, you're not following his, his way, his method. You see, this is the way walk in it. No, Ezekiel eleven five. what did he say? I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them. All you need is a filthy mind, a dirty mind, and you're out of fellowship. You're not abiding in me. You're no longer united in me. I'll make somebody mad. I always do that when I start playing with the flowers. Let me, whose flowers are they? Whose flowers are these? Okay, that was the preacher. Anyway, people get so upset when you start playing with the flowers. You should go to race through your mind and say, Lord, what, how should I respond? 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Get over it. I like this, yeah. Romans 8.28, and we know all things work together for good. So anyway, this is you. You were united in him, abiding in him. You got that to the new birth, okay? Once saved, always saved. Y'all believe that, right? Oh, praise God. Oh, yeah, that's another whole story. And so. But anyway, so here, that's here you. He said, if you abide in me... You know, if not every child of God wills to abide in him, they kind of live for themselves and think about Christ on Sunday and Wednesday from time to time. But anyway, I'm giving a crash course. Now, John 15, verse 6. If a man abide not in me, okay, is the Christian, this is the vine. Uh, I mean, this is the branch and this is the vine. Jesus, and you're lovely today, Jesus. Okay, and so you, you, the, you the, the, the branch, he's no, it, verse 6 says, if a man abide not in me, okay, if a man, a Christian, abide not in me, is cast forth as a branch and withered, and then cast them in the fire and they are burned. 
What is he teaching? He, he's not teaching you how to get saved and stay saved. He's simply saying this, you'll have nothing to show me you love me. You like and appreciate what I've done for you, you know, new birth, home in heaven, this, that, and the other, but you don't love me. John 15, 10, what did he say? If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, and even as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. So, you, anyway, so y'all get in a crash course. So, what separates your child of God from fellowship with the vine? This is the vine. Fellowship, everything going smoothly. What's beginning to happen? What's beginning to happen to this? He's no longer abiding in Christ. What's beginning to happen to this vine, a branch? Dry out. Hey, somebody's smart. It's beginning to die, right? It looks nice, right? It looks nice. Well, it was, while it was united and abiding in him, bring forth fruit, get your prayers answered, move the heart of God, gain from the Lord what you need and everything in the world, right? John 15, verse 7, if you abide in me, my word's abiding in you, ask what you will. Free rice is to move in the heart of God. You see what I'm saying? If you abide in him, you can get anything, big or little. If it's the will of God, you can have what you have. But when you're out here, you know, Proverbs 28, verse 13, uh, he that covereth sin shall not prosper. <laughs> y'all kind of, y'all you, you, read the Bible, right? So, you know, so that's what he's saying. If you abide in me, you know what I mean? You can ask God for anything. <laughs> All certain things, hope for the future. But if you, what? What separates your child of God from fellowship with the vine? Starts with an S. Sin. Oh, that's complaining. You should have mastered complaining by now. Maybe you didn't know it was a sin. Well, I understand that. I didn't know you were supposed to think and read it at the same time. <laughs> right? Right? Okay, I don't know what it is, but you sin, you do wrong, right? We do wrong all the time, you know that? But how do we get back in fellowship? So fellowship with God is quite fragile, <laughs> okay? It's quite very fragile. Uh, uh, it needs to be, it's like being married. Do <laughs> you know how to make a long week with your wife? A long week with your wife? You know, just slap her in the face. That'll make a long week, right? That'll make a long week, right? You know how to make a long week with her. Hey, I've been married 47 years. I know what it is to make a long week with my wife. I just don't do it no more. <laughs> yes, honey. Yes, ma'am. I like that. <laughs> I have the same thing with the Lord. Every time you sin, you smack him in the face, and I'll call you again when I need you. Folks, it don't work that way. Yeah, yeah. You want a long week with God? <laughs> just live for yourself and do what you want to do. And think about it on Sunday and Wednesday from time to time. But anyway, so but what, how we get back in fellowship? It's so simple. God's people don't know how to do it. If we can fast, you know the reason you haven't got victory over complaining? <laughs> you don't see it as God does. <laughs> oh, I didn't murder nobody. <laughs> oh. oh, it's murder, huh? You see what I'm saying? You don't truly confess it. It's like riding a bike. Once you, get long, you confess it as sin, you see it as God does. You find the verse in the Bible. Uh, for what, Philippians 2.14, do all things without murmurings and... Uh, and James 4, 17 says what? Therefore to him that knoweth to do it, do it good and do it not to him, it is what? Let me hear you. <laughs> you like a yo-yo. You up and down. No wonder there's no... <laughs> you know, it's good, but God's people love the yo-yo. Does that, does that make any sense to any of you? you know, I'm just looking at your face. I see him smiling. See, he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're going to love me or hate me. I told you you have to take me like a nine-year-old. I ain't even started preaching yet. This is just stuff off my head. I ain't even got to the message yet, but that won't come to that. But anyway, anyway, I'm just, oh, you know what I'm saying? I love you. I love you. That's what I'm saying. You'll either love me or hate me. That's the way it's been. I'll speak to you in truth, and I'll become your enemy. Folks, I'm not the enemy. 
I'm just wanting to, I want you to have a greater walk with God. I want you to move the heart of God. Turn this town upside down. But it's not going to happen by accident. It's only as going after you follow what God said. So anyway, maybe you got some questions a little later on. You said, what happened to you? <laughs> I met Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I just ain't got over it yet. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I need to grow up. I need to, I don't act like, I've got a five-year-old great-grandbaby. A two-year-old great-grandbaby. My grandson's 27. <laughs> I said, God, I need to grow up. He said, I made you like a child. He said, you see me like a child. And I says, ah. He says, I've done you a favor, son. Isn't that great? Folks, you need to come to God like a little child. Whatever you say, I'll do it. He's been running lives a long time before you got here. Go like this here, okay? He'll be running lives a long time after you're gone, okay? He's always done a good job. He's never made one mistake. He's never owed any man an apology. Why then don't you trust him? Why don't you trust him with your life? Lord, if I give my life to you, I'm afraid you're going to mess it up. You be the first. <laughs> you be the first. <laughs> I've been trying to get him to complain. You know, he proves and tests me. You ever try to get God to complain? <laughs> we got into bed bugs one time. Everybody been in bed bugs? It's an amazing. He knows the end of bed. You know, doesn't he know? Does he ever come to learn anything? Does God ever come to learn anything? No, he never comes to learn anything. <laughs> he knows the bed bugs are in the bed. I said, I'm going to get in the bed, but I'm not going to complain. <laughs> I'm just going to let them eat you up. <laughs> I can't get him to complain about nothing. What gives me the right? Yeah. Father, we thank you. I've just shared my heart. I hope that people will fall in love with you. I pray that uh, you'll just take something I've said. I've scattered a bunch of stuff. If God's people really, truly believe that, they, that you might give them everything they ask for, they'd really stop the act of asking. If any of you lack wisdom, there ain't a person in the building that don't need wisdom, but there'll be few that will bother to ask. What a shame that is. I pray you'll do what only you can do. We thank you in Jesus' name.